try that again. We're going to move it along. Here we go. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to our home on God's western shore. can't help it. I get that dream in my head about when I was a kid, learning how to fly in my dream. I told it a few times. I started with the dog paddle, and I was like swooping, and I finally got up in the air, and I finally got to the Superman fly. And I'm flying around this one post that's in our middle of our yard, and my brother come out with a shotgun. <laughs> started trying to shoot me down. No, no, it's me. And then I woke up, and I thought I could fly still. I really did. I didn't try it, but I wanted to so bad. Well, I don't know what your vision of flying away is, but uh, it's good to know that we have a promise of his blessed hope. Amen? We get to go and to be in, in his presence one day. Hallelujah. Let's sing another song and just celebrate that truth, that uh, we can trust him, he loves us, and we have a place to go to. Well, I think I was going to try the instrumental, wasn't I? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's try that. How does it go? I don't know what I'm doing here. Never mind. Let's just get, let's just sing. You want to do that? Here I am. I come to find you. Here I am to see your grace. To bring to you an offering. I have to ask. Of one thing, how can I do anything but praise? I praise you, you are God, you are Lord, you are. 
think of this time that we have together where we can share an offering and just bless you, Lord, that we can use those monies that you've blessed us with to turn those back to you and allow for you to use them for your glory, that they can go to ministries that are a part of this family, ministries in this community and beyond into the world missions, home missions. Lord, we're so thankful that we have that blessing to give. And as we prepare our hearts for that, Lord, I just pray your anointing on everyone that's able to give today, that it will just encourage them, and that, you, Lord, you will just bless for the faithfulness as we give these offerings into your hands and these uh, tithes. We just give them to you, Lord, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue to worship, the offering plates are available for you. Online, of course, is also always available. And just thank you for your faithfulness as we continue to bless the Lord. Amen. You're not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. 
same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a hard one. When you read the Old Testament, you see a lot of justice expressed. When you read the Old Testament stories, you see a holiness and a righteousness expectation upon the people. And when they failed, there was judgment. And it came down harshly. Sometimes we we try to grapple with this concept that the enemies of God were destroyed and the annihilation that he demanded was extreme. And then we go to the New Testament and we see this Messiah who fulfilled what the law required. 
And, and we see the grace of God and the mercy and the kindness of his heart upon a people that didn't deserve it, which includes me. And I'm thinking, how is that the same God? How is he the same one that was there in the Old Testament who was angry and upset? But he's the same God who is kind and loving and forgiving. It's it's hard to grasp that. But something happened when the New Testament was introduced. We no longer are being under that thumb of accountability to the point that the law simply accomplished one great thing. It told us all we're failures. We can't do it. It accomplished that. It basically put it in not only writing, but put it in real life that you can't do what God's asking of you. And you're destined for eternal damnation. What a great story that is, huh? But Jesus comes along and fulfilled what we couldn't do. The perfect one, sinless born, lived a life before us all and and died because of our sin. And he said, okay, you can't do it, but I can. And now if you simply put your hope and faith in me, you can be forgiven. You can live a life of righteousness and holiness. You can be my child. You can be my son. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God who demands justice, who wants righteousness and holiness. And he's given us this opportunity in this new covenant to find peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, that his blood will cover our sins, that we can be spotless without wrinkle, not because of our goodness, but because of his. And sometimes we go through this life and we wonder, there's, there's no possible way. We can't do it. It's, it's not going to happen. But he's the one that makes the way. And that's what this song is about. He is the way maker. You want to know the way? It's Jesus Christ. You're facing the impossible? Well, so did he, and he's the victor. Put your hope in him. Whatever you think is impossible, it is, if you try to do it your own way. But when you put it into his hands, the impossible becomes possible. You are here 
working in this place I worship you I worship you You are Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God, that is who you are You are here Touching every heart I worship you I worship you You are here Healing every heart I worship you I worship you You are Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. It's my God, that is who you are. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who. stop working never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working never stop you never stop working never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working never stop you never stop working never stop you never stop working Waymaker, 
worship Him, Christ the be in your presence, Lord. God, we just thank you today, God. Lord, we just uh, sit in your presence right now. Minister to our hearts, we pray, God. Let us be receptive to what you would have to tell us, God. Just allow him to speak to you right now. Allow him to minister to you. He wants to give us comfort right now. He wants you to know that he cares about what you're going through right now. We pray, God, that you that you would just touch us, God. That Lord, when things seem may seem down, may seem deep, and not understandable, what's going on? But you know what's going on, God. I pray that you will just wrap your arms or love around whoever may be feeling that, God, that they might feel like they're out there on an island by themselves right now. I pray that you will just minister to them, God, and give them the joy of being able to follow you, Jesus, in the love that you give, and that you are going to take care of whatever that it may be, God. And now, Lord, I just pray for everybody in this congregation that you will minister to them, that they bring their needs to you, God, And give them encouragement, Lord, that you are there to take care of them. We pray that you would pour out your spirit upon this church, this community, God. And use us in however way you may to reach reach this community, God. We thank you now, God. And we ask that you be with the rest of this service in the word today, God. Allow us just to hear what it is that you have for us today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. It is nice and balmy out, wouldn't you say? A few cold days. Hopefully uh, some of those days are going to be warming up here pretty soon. Finally, we can say goodbye to the snow, at least for the season. That would be nice, wouldn't it? So, anyway, just a few things here this morning. Um, For those on the board, there is a board meeting on this Tuesday at 6.30. Um, Be there, a VBS meeting on Thursday at 6.30. If you plan on being involved in VBS and children's ministries, our VBS will be in the first weekend of uh, June. And 
we, we could use you. Help us with that. Right, what MJ is saying is for anybody who doesn't really... Yeah, everybody show up. Yeah, that's, that's it. No, but um, if, you, if you would like to just work behind the scenes and everything, we, we have something for you. All right? So please, uh, please consider it, and please join us with that. Um, also, this, coming up this Saturday here is uh, the Real Gals Games. Wow. Just that just sounds fun, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> just come for a, here to the church at 9.30 this Saturday, ladies. There'll be some kind of a, a games going on downstairs. And please come and enjoy yourself. That'll be great. It'll be fun. Also, um, we're looking to uh, do kind of like a bunch of chairs out here instead of the, the pews and things. So we don't know when that's going to happen, but we have decided to start kind of raising funds to do that. So if the Lord Lord puts that on your heart to help provide with those funds, that would be great in doing that. Just designate it to the the chairs here. So with that, I will have the, um, I'll dismiss the children for kids' church and uh, head on downstairs there and enjoy that time. It looks like uh, Miss MJ is going to help, is going to do that this morning. So, Kids, have fun. Pastor? Thank you, Pastor Doug. And if you want to just hang on to that microphone, there's a chance we might need that in just a few minutes, if you wouldn't mind just hanging on to that. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. We'll give it a try. Normally at this time of the service, we have been separating into our small groups so that we can talk about last week's message and then talk about how we were able to apply that to our lives, and then also pray together. Uh, This week, I'm not going to do that first meeting, that first small group, uh, but I do want to go into that reflection time anyway, because I think it's important to not only uh, look ahead, but let's look behind and see how we are able to apply God's Word. And so in that uh, reflection part of the service, I would like to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And if you were here last week or you were able to go online on YouTube and and check it out, you'll know that we were talking about an effective testimony. And it got a little challenging, I'll admit, because we have to be careful with the way we respond to life challenges. We are able to sometimes put on a good face at church and sound like we've got it all together. Then we go to work and we just kind of let it all go. Or maybe it's at home that we struggle to maintain that true testimony of character throughout. And that's why Jesus challenged us to take up our cross every day. We have to die to our flesh every day. That's a challenge. That's not an easy thing to do, but it's the right thing. And with the Holy Spirit's help, we can accomplish it. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2 is the challenge that I'll bring out from last week's message. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. (laughs) That's easy. Right? Eh, no big deal. That's, that's no problem. Well, 
let's be honest, that's, that's a pretty tall order. That sounds impossible. To be an imitator of God, not, not in a way of faking your faith. That's not the intention. The intention is when people see you, they see God. The way you respond to life, the way you live your life, the way you love in life is a reflection of God's love. Well, that is the, the, the challenge that we need to take to heart. And so, normally we are in our small groups, we're talking about, hey, how did you do that last week? Were you successful? Were you able to apply that? What was the challenge? What did you like about the challenge? But I'm going to do it a little different today. How many of you, and even if we just have one, would say, I'm willing to share a testimony of how God used that message in my life last week. And we have a microphone ready for you. You don't have to come up here. You don't have to get on camera. But I would at least like for you to share just a small little bit. How did that message affect you, or how were you able to apply that last week? Anybody willing to share their testimony? We used to do testimonies all the time. We have one right here. Awesome. Pastor Doug, if you wouldn't mind handing the microphone over, uh, Penny is the one that had her hand up. And, and Penny, thank you for being uh, bold and, and, and able to share a testimony. So I look forward to hearing what you have to say. I am Penny. And I had been at a conference this week. And I thought, oh, I will have lots of opportunities. And it was on my mind a lot. Okay. And, um, hmm? Need to hold the microphone close so okay, they can I get can you good. It. You can't. Okay, so I was at the conference. Now, in my world, I work in the world of construction. So you can imagine my peer group that I'm with all week. <laughs> construction guys, keep, yeah. Yep, lots of construction stories. And so I keep thinking about this. I had zero opportunities. Hmm. It was like this, I totally expected to have more than one, like one a day, but... Um, but I did have an opportunity on the airplane coming back. Uh-huh. So I would, of course, sat in the wrong seat. But it turned out that that was a God thing. Amen. And um, the gal that was sitting next to me um, does homeopathic. She's a PA. And so it was just so natural. She said, ask what I was doing. And it was so natural to tell her my story of how I got into engineering later in life and how God did that, opened doors, provided, and what a listener she was. I have no idea what God's going to do with that, but that's not my part. Amen. It's, you know, his part, and it was just, I thought, oh, well, waited for this. So I was, it was good. It was good. Thank you so much. So you prayed for opportunity during your convention, and it didn't seem to fit to share your story, and then God used the airplane ride home. Awesome. Anybody else? One more testimony, how God was able to use you this last week? Or maybe how it impacted your view of sharing your testimony. Anybody have a testimony about that? Well, we had one. That's good. Maybe they're online. They're going, pick me, pick me. 
uh, sorry, I can't see you. <laughs> I don't know how we'd get your testimony out there, but I, I do want to encourage you, let's not just come and hear a good word and then walk away without doing something about what we've just heard. We need to do what the Word of God declares. And we need to become more comfortable with sharing what God is doing. I know there are some who maybe didn't come to church today because they're uncomfortable with our gathering into the small groups. Because it's putting putting something on each individual and it's not comfortable. Well, I wasn't called here to bring you comfort. And so if you're going to expect comfort, I'm not the guy. If you have known me since I said yes to being your pastor, you, you know that's true. I speak the truth with passion, unashamedly. And I do believe that God's intention for us is to grow beyond ourselves. Grow beyond our comfort zones. And to apply God's word in a very practical way so that we are discipled. In order to go into our daily routines with an expectation that God's going to do something today. And if we can't do that here, how can we possibly do it out there? So, while I'm praying about the methodologies of what God is leading my heart and leading us as a a body, uh, I will not... Relent or change what God's put before us as a vision. It may come across differently. Like today, we had an opportunity for a testimony. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Maybe next Sunday, if God says, yeah, let's try that one more time, uh, we'll try it again. If not, who knows? We'll see what God wants to do. But I want to encourage you that there is an expectation that you apply God's word to your daily life, that this is about discipling disciples. It's about how we can then reach to our world and share our faith with someone else and see the light of God come into their life. It's our responsibility to be the disciples making disciples. And I believe God's desire is for us to develop that. For today, let's go on with our message, shall we? And let's talk about Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You're probably wondering, what does Abba mean? Well, Abba is actually um, a word for Father, and it's Aramaic. And so it literally has a deeper meaning than just the legal term Father. It's an Aramaic word for Father, but it's more like Daddy. It, it's, it's a more intimate, more relational, connecting word. So when we see the word Abba, Father, it's, it's like saying Daddy, Father. It's, it's an expression that goes deeper. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 8 through 11, we see one of the occurrences where that is being expressed. Romans 8, beginning with verse 8, it says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, yet, however... You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's a great word about the spirit of God. Jumping ahead to verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through verse 7 is another passage that goes along with this main thought. It says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for being father. Abba, Father. To have that relationship, a daddy to a son or a daughter. It's something we all long for. It's something that's deep within each and every soul. To have that kind of relationship with that, that parental figure. And yet you are the greatest father of all. All of us here on this earth, we try, we do our best, but we fail. We're not as good at being dads as we want to be. We're not as good at being moms as we'd like to be. We just fall short, but you never do. Your love is absolutely unconditional. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that as we look into your word to find out more about who you are as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray that your anointing will be upon me to speak your words. Help us to grow in our understanding and our perception of you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show a clip from from YouTube. It's entitled, Three-Minute Theology 1.1, What is the Trinity? Watch this and see that God is one, and yet God is three in one. And see, see how that just clicks in your brain today as we consider a God and who he is. Heard me using bad grammar. For instance, if I told her something like, my friend draws good, she would say, no, Dale, he doesn't draw good, he draws well. Grammar lays out the basic rules of a language to ensure we're speaking correctly. And if you grew up with a grammar like mine, you'll know that good grammar is essential to effective communication. 
So, Christians believe that God is Trinitarian. The word Trinity means three in one, and to say that God is a Trinity means he is one single undivided God, and yet at the very same time, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This can cause a lot of confusion among non-Christians, who know as well as we do that one plus one plus one equals three. So either the Christians worship three different gods, or they just can't do simple math. Even many Christians find the idea of the Trinity difficult to explain, so they don't tend to emphasize it a lot. This confusion comes, in part, because often we think about the Trinity as though it were sort of a schematic that describes what God's inner workings look like. And because God is God and we're not, any attempt to sketch out a schematic for God is bound to fail. So perhaps a better way to think about the Trinity is as a grammar for God talk. Just like English grammar lays out the guidelines for using the English language correctly, the Trinity lays out the guidelines for speaking correctly about God. You see, the very first Christians were all first century Jews, and they took the teaching of the Torah very seriously when it says that the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love him with all your heart. There's only one God. That's the most basic rule of God grammar. But at the same time, they had encountered the man, Jesus Christ, a first century Jew who taught them to pray to God as if they were talking to a loving father. And then they saw him crucified and rise again the third day. And here's the thing. Their encounter with the living Jesus was so profound that they began to worship him as God. So, Jesus is God. That's another rule of God grammar. But then, if someone were to ask them, Are you saying that Jesus is the same as God the Father? They would have had to say, No, Jesus is fully God, otherwise we can't worship him. But at the same time, he spoke to God as his heavenly Father and taught us to do the same. So Jesus is not God the Father. To say that would be bad grammar. Of course, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit came and filled those first Christians up to overflowing with his love. And the experience they had of the Holy Spirit was just like the experience they had of Jesus. So they started talking about the Holy Spirit in the same way as they did Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God. Good God grammar. But the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us and reminds us of his teaching. So he's not the Son or the Father. To say that would be bad grammar. The Trinity then lays out the guidelines for speaking correctly about God. There's only one God. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Son is not the Father and the Holy Spirit is not the Son. All those statements are good grammar. But if we say that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all just different appearances of the same single God, or if we talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as though they were three different gods or one was not God, in each of those cases we're using bad grammar. But if we say something like, the grace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all, in that case, we're speaking good about God. That's an example of how to describe the Trinity. God who is also Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I don't know, I think that graph or that understanding of the good grammar aspect of who God is, <laughs> is probably a little bit more accurate than if you try to use the egg an- analogy. <laughs> the egg analogy uh, does certainly fall short, at least in my mind. God is one, yet he has chosen to reveal himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father represents the final authority over all things. It is the Father's will that Jesus lives and lived to accomplish his will. 
It is the Father's will that Jesus said we are to pray for in our own lives. Through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, we are allowed to approach the Father. It is the Father who has sent his Holy Spirit to our to be our counselor and comforter. We can know God's will, hear his voice, and sense his presence because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The oneness of God is seen when we are led by the Holy Spirit to ask in Jesus' name, to see the will of the Father accomplished in our lives. Even in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, we find out that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Everything works together, and yet we also have this understanding of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I would like to lead you in understanding how God works in our lives and how we should approach him in prayer and how we should have an understanding of who he is and the will he wants to accomplish. Number one, Jesus is the way to the Father. He describes that himself very well. If you turn with me to John chapter 6, we're going to look at a number of passages of Scripture through John and just see some insights into the Lord Jesus in relationship to the Father. John 6, beginning with verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. You'll notice where he says, all the Father gives to me. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. I could talk a lot about that, but I, will. I won't do that right now. Nothing that I will lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up in the last day. For this is the will of the Father. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jumping ahead to verse 44, it also says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up. On the last day, Jesus is the way to the Father. Salvation through Jesus Christ is the will of the Father. Your heavenly reward is expressed in John 14, verse 2 and verse 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Where is he? We know that right now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father according to his own words and the scriptures. He expresses that my Father's house is pretty big. 
There's a lot of rooms there. I'm going to go and prepare a room just for you. And when it's time for me to come, I will get you and take you to be with me where I am, which is where? My Father's house. Your heavenly reward is to dwell in the Father's house. Now, why did Jesus use that language? Well, because in that day and age, marriage was done just like he expressed. If you were going to be married, you would have had made a covenant with uh, a, a woman uh, of the age, usually between 14 and 16 years old, by the way, and normally the man was somewhere between 26 and 30. That was the typical marriage of the day. Everybody's like, whoa, that's weird, right? There's a number of reasons why they did it that way, and I won't go into it right now, but something great for a Bible study in the future. So the way it was done is a covenant was made, and then it was, okay, now the responsibility is the son must go back to his father's house and build the addition to the home. And when it's completed, the father of the son would then say, son, you've done it. You finished what was required to build your home upon my home, now go get your bride. There was no date. There was no reservations for that special place to have your reception or to get that reservation of that sanctuary in the really cool church. None of that happened. It was simply, when when it's done, go get her. That was the preparation. And so those poor girls, they had to wait for their, their man to show up. And normally, they would know a, a groom was coming, coming to their village because a trumpet would sound that would signify the coming of the groom. And all these young ladies that were engaged were like, Ooh, yay, it's my day. And then they would wonder, but is it? Is it my guy or is it her guy? And so they couldn't show their face. That was against the rules. And so they had a veil, but they normally had some kind of signature cloth something recognizable that the groom would then see and say, hey, there's my bride, and then he would find her. But if he came when it was dark, she better have a lamp with some light, right? Because you don't want to grab the wrong girl. That would never happen. Yes, it will. It did. We know the story. Leah? Where's Rachel? Um, daddy gave me to you instead. (laughs) That would... (laughs) Can you believe that? Wow, it's amazing. How did he not know? Well, she had her veil covered and covering her face. And when they were married, that's intimacy. And now it's done. You're you're not just engaged, now you're husband and wife. So so the way that it would go is the, the man would then take his bride back to the home where he had built his house, the portion of his home, and they would consummate their marriage. Yeah, I know. And the best man would then declare to the party that would assemble because they'd all say, hey, I heard the trumpet. It's going to be a big party. It's going to go on for three to seven days. And so they all come for the food, the free food, the dances, and the party. And so they would go, and they would celebrate the wedding that just took place. Isn't that cool? Jesus says to his disciples... I am going to my father's house to prepare a room for you. And would I tell you this if I wasn't going to go and come and get you to take you to be with me where I am in my father's house? I am proposing marriage. You are the bride. I am the groom. 
It's interesting that we have this understanding of relationship in a marriage sense. And Jesus being the groom, the intimacy of that relationship is very, very vivid in the minds of those that understood what he said. They're probably looking at him thinking, this is weird. He just proposed marriage to us. And the covenant, when you drink the cup and then you pass it and say, drink this with me, if you agree, they drink the cup. That's also been done in the marriage proposal process. The covenant of marriage was usually done in such a way that if she said yes, she drank from the cup, that was his. And then they would make that covenant relationship, that engagement process, which was as binding as any marriage certificate ever was. So Jesus is telling his disciples in John 14, verse 6 through 9, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the groom, you're the bride, we're going to go and stay at daddy's house. This is where we're going to live, and in order to be a part of that, you have to come through me. I am the way where? Not to heaven, but to the Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, not know, you do know him and have seen him. And I love Philip's question. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Just show us the Father, then we'll, we'll understand. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Abba, Father, Jesus is the way to the Father. So many people in life, especially in this culture of what we have before us, in the Christian culture of today, they, they have a bad understanding, a bad theology, if you will, of what it means to be saved. When you talk about being saved, most people think about avoiding hell. Well, that's not salvation. Yes, that is the product of salvation. You don't have to go to hell, which is later thrown in, in, into the eternal lake of fire. But salvation is going from the lost one to the found one. The lost sheep to the found sheep. The not part of the family to adopt it into the family. The one who doesn't have a family to the one who is with Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It's about a relationship with the living God. Jesus is the way to the Father. We need to remember Father God is the ultimate goal. Which is made possible through the sacrifice of Son. And you are made new through the power of the recreation, if you will, the born again experience that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. All three who are one working together for that ultimate goal. Jesus is the way to the Father, and the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is also expressed. If you look at John chapter 14, we left off with verse 9. And verse 10 picks up here and says this, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Who is the authority? Father. 
I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. What works? The miracles. Why did Jesus do miracles? Because the Father willed it. It was the desire of Father God to see the miracles that were performed to show that he is the Son so that we would know that he is the Messiah who has come to make a way for salvation, which, which is what? To take a broken relationship and make it a healed relationship. To, to take the lost son, the lost daughter, into the found, the adopted, the part of the family, son or daughter. John chapter 5, if you back up, Jesus in earlier portions of his ministry expresses this truth, these truths I should say. Beginning with verse 17, John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Why is this so critically important? I, I believe that we, we sometimes, not always, but sometimes have this concept or this idea that we can tell Jesus what to do. That somehow in our prayer, we can say, in Jesus' name, and suddenly we get what we want. Well, I hate to break it to you. Jesus doesn't do anything without the Father's approval. It's the way it works, that whole idea that you just saw portrayed. There is one God, but there is Father, there is Son, there is Holy Spirit. They work together because they are one. There are certain parameters that they don't cross. We know that we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but we can also say, well, that's Jesus in my heart. Yeah, kind of, sort of. It's God. God is in you, yes. Holy Spirit is in you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit has come upon you through the will and the proclamation of the Father through the Son. They all work together because they're inseparable, honestly. They are the same, and yet they are different. It's, he is one, and yet he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So John 5, verse 17, I already started. Let me continue. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Well, that's cool. Who is the one that we should be concerned about? The judge? Well, the judge is the Son. Why? Because the Father said so. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life. 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. I want to read through verse 30, so keep on with me. For as a father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus and the Father are inseparable. The authority of the Father, the authority of the Son, through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, if we go back there once again. Let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. The authority of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit goes out from the Father, it says. John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... Isn't that amazing? The Father will send the Holy Spirit through, through the name of Jesus Christ. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The oneness of God expressed in three persons over and over and over again. And so we must ask ourselves in understanding who God is, how then should we pray? It's amazing to me how so many times I have experienced almost a pushback from believers to pray to Father God. And there is more of a tendency to say, well, I want to pray to Jesus. And yet you'll find an interesting truth that it's always the Father's will that's accomplished, and it happens through the name of Jesus on behalf of the Father. And so we, yes, you can pray in Jesus' name because he has given us the way to the Father. But ultimately, we're praying for the will of the Father through Jesus Christ. And it's accomplished through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty awesome and pretty amazing. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we'll start there. Pray then like this, and obviously we know this prayer. We could, we could quote it, but I'll read it for you anyway. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Just, just to pause for a moment on that, on that thought, that illustration of prayer. 
I find it interesting that so many times we begin our prayers in such a way that we'll say, Dear Jesus, possibly Heavenly Father, if we will, but we then go right into, Here's my list of do's and don'ts. Here's what I would like for you to do, Lord. We have a crisis. Fix it, please. I have a need. Please appease my needs. I have a desire for this. Therefore, please make it so. And, and we justify it because, because we think the answer is obvious. Well, of course God wants to heal, so let's pray for healing. Of course God wants me to make my bills not be lapsed, and so I should get a raise. I'm talking theoretically, of course. Of course my vehicles broke down. I need a new one. Therefore, God, make it so. I mean, I could go on with lots of ideas and just randomly come, come up with thoughts of how to pray. And I want to ask you this question. How many times do you begin your prayer? Dear Jesus or Heavenly Father, I want your will to be accomplished before I even say a word. No, no matter what my thoughts, no matter what my plans, no matter what my desire, no matter what I think is best, Lord, I want your will accomplished. Make it so. But we don't do that, do we? Why not? Why not? Maybe it's because we're afraid of the answer. Maybe it's because we really don't want to know what God wants. I think about childhood and how, how it's interesting how the children usually figure out who to go through in certain situations, right? You know, and I've shared this many times before, you know, if I fell down and got a boo-boo, <laughs> I didn't go to dad. Dad's just going to lecture me and tell me how I was out of my realm of ability and I shouldn't have done that, and if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have got the boo-boo. And he'll give me the lecture of how not to get a boo-boo the next time. Right? Whereas mom goes, oh, you poor thing. And kiss it and make it all better. Well, maybe that's why we're not wanting to pray to Father God. He's the authority figure. He's the one that has the final say. So maybe we should just pray, Jesus, you do this, please. And amen. And in our own minds, we justify it because we think we have good thoughts. Because we think it's obvious. Well, I want to challenge you. Stop praying that prayer. Begin praying, Heavenly Father, I glorify and worship you. And through Jesus Christ, the Son, I'm so thankful that I can have a relationship. To know you, you are amazing. You are more wonderful than words could ever express. And my desires and my thoughts and my will is going to fall far short from anything you could ever plan out for my life. So please, make your will accomplished no matter what. And by the way, I know you've called me to prayer. You've called me to share my needs. And so here's my thoughts, Lord. Here's my need. Here's a crisis. I don't know how to fix this. Would you, would you please help? I would love for you to do this. I'd love for you to heal the cancer. I would love for you to do this. I'd love for you to provide the provision in order for this to be successful. I would love for this to be the way it happens, Lord. But Lord, my will is not the most important thing here. Yours is. If there's a lesson I need to learn through the 
difficulties I'm facing, may, may I have wisdom to grasp what it is. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Well, I'm not forgiving that person. Uh Uh-uh, no way. They hurt me too deeply. They know better. I pray judgment. That's what I pray. Really, you're going to pray to Father God? For his will to be accomplished after giving him glory and honor and praise. And then justify your hate and your anger? I'm sorry, you better just stop right where you're at. If you can't learn how to forgive people who hurt you, how do you expect him to forgive you? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14 continues, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. I'm thinking I would rather err on the side of grace. Jesus taught us how to pray. John chapter 15. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Well, see, there you go. We can ask Jesus for anything we want. (laughs) You may ask the Father in Jesus' name, and he will accomplish exactly what the Father's will is. Because he always does the Father's will. He always asks or does what the Father's desire is on our behalf. And if you have his heart, the amazing, powerful truth is this. You will pray the prayers that are on his heart. You want to see miracles? Pray the prayers of God. Pray his prayer. Pray his heart. John 14. We're going to end right here. John 14, verse 13. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see how they work together? They are inseparable, but there is an order of authority. 
Ask in Jesus' name, and what will that be? That will be the Father's will, because it will bring glory to the Father through the Son as you pray His prayers. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What does that mean? It means it's not a genie in a bottle, rub it, and boom, a genie comes out and you ask for three wishes. That's not the prayers Jesus is referring to. He's referring to having his heart so that you can pray through his name to accomplish the will of the Father. And as you do so, you will see the miracles happen. Jesus is the way to the Father. The authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all coordinated together. And the prayers that we pray are ultimately to the Father through Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you as you have a moment to break off into small groups in just a few minutes. We'll do it again. Four people, if if you can. No more than six, please. Allow for the Holy Spirit to lead you into the presence of God with a fuller understanding of who he is. So I want to encourage you to break off for 10 minutes. Ask the questions that are on the bulletin. They'll be also on on the slide. What did you like most about the message today? What does it say about God? And how can I apply the message to my week? Go ahead and find your small groups and let's get that started in just a moment. think they're ready if you guys are ready.
If you have a if you have an opportunity to pray together before we end, that'd be awesome. I'd like to thank everyone for participating in that group discussion. I'm going to go ahead and close with a a closing prayer and just pray for God's blessing to be upon you as you go into your week, as we uh, trust in the Lord to apply what we've learned in a very practical way. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to learn about you, to see how you are one God, and yet you have chosen to reveal yourself as three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Just pray, Lord God, that you will uh, just continue to guide and direct our path, that, Father God, you will accomplish your perfect will, and that as the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us, we can be victorious. We ask that you will just help us, Lord, in our testimony as we share our story with others. We just pray your anointing. As we go into our week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.